Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes episode number 127. Another big week in the game of golf. Uh, we'll pull it all apart in the next hour or so. Brian McPherson's going to join us, Brad Kennedy as well, Justin Feltner and Mark Hayes alongside. Hello, chaps. Hello, Andy. G'day, Murray. How's the week? How's the week and the weekend been? Yeah, it's well. I mean, it is starting to get exciting. From a, I mean, I, I think there's a big lull. I don't want to talk up the FedEx Cup, but let's just use that as a a date anchor. Yep. yep. There's a massive lull in the world golfing calendar from um, FedEx from FedEx Cup from FedEx Cup through to when it hits Australian shores. Hmm. To me, it's just starting to get interesting again. Yeah, I kind of like um, this period. The women's is a diff- totally different story. Yeah. Love it, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but the men's that nonsense two months to me, and it's just about over. Hmm. <laughs> Not much going on. The PJ Tour takes a serious kind of hiatus, doesn't it? This, I mean, I know they keep playing, but yeah. Yeah. the interest levels drop enormously. Yeah, I couldn't really care less about what happens in the Safeway and those no. sorts of ones. No. But, but yeah, as you said, the LPGA, it's, I like this little Asian swing, and the last few men's ones have been in Asia, and it's on the weekend, sort of during the day in the afternoon. It's nice. Well, let's start with the girls, because the last two weeks have been fantastic finishes, and we've got another one. Uh, we're doing this on Monday afternoon, so we've got another... Cracking finish yesterday in the swinging skirt. That was unbelievable. It was in, it was mm. dead. You couldn't take your eyes off it no. in the end. Uh, having said that, you had to have golf TV because honestly, I don't know what. Or KO. Or, KO. Or KO. Mighty KO. Yeah, I've got to get KO. Whoever's making the calls on <laughs> channel allocation for sport on Fox Sports at the moment needs a serious kick up the ass. <laughs> There's how much live sport going on at the moment. We've got a we've got a channel dedicated to rugby league and they're mm. playing replays of games that no one even gave a shit about. Excuse my French <laughs> when they when added. the games were live. <laughs> and, 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 hey, that's a bit harsh cuz Mick Cronin that was a really good hit he put on Yeah, good um, on you. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't even think yeah, of Darren, who it was. What's his name? Some bloke called Mullane from Cronulla. <laughs> fullback from – so th- that's going on. You've got a whole channel dedicated to motorsport. I mean seriously. Mm. Seriously, yeah, that that you know. might not be your cup of tea, but that's a that's a massive ratings winner. Okay, uh, don't care. The footy, no, I'm, the I'm footy channel either, is yeah, the Fox Footy. Should be switched off on it, October the fifth. Fair enough, dedicate <laughs> one to cricket. No problems with that. But some of the, the, while the while the um, girls were dueling it out in the swing mm. suits, there was there was actually a show, a recorded um, sh- show on uh, this week in world yachting going on. <laughs> Oh, seriously. I mean, <laughs> so KO's got to be the great survivor. The I would great... rather watch Formula Ford racing from Spa, Frankishaw than... than um, Yachting? Oh, so... was all right. oh, my God. Oh, mate. So, look, mm. I love my Fox Sports. You know, I've got to get KO, but some of the calls they make from time to time. So, yeah, yeah you either had KO, you're mm. watching... I imagine you could have seen it on 
Golf TV. I don't actually think it is on Golf TV. Okay, right. I think they don't do any of the LPGA stuff, which is like quite weird. To Why? Me. That was my first reaction when I saw that it wasn't on Fox. I was like, check Golf TV. It wasn't on there. So right, okay. So I've got everything else. But. I was out yesterday, Sunday, Andy, when it was happening, and I had a text message or two saying Minji could win this. Da, mm. da, da, da. And I, when I got to it, they were showing highlights from the previous day's play mm. in Bermuda. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. So, so I, yeah, I'm yeah. like, that is, that's nonsensical in yep. the extreme. Um, this is the only time of the year when we've got everything in our time zone. We need to cash in on that. Yeah, exactly. We need to be better. And, and they need to. I mean, live sport yeah. is what works. Live sport, yeah. historically, is what works. What's the reason that they don't? There has to be a reason. I reckon they just block it off so that they know they haven't got the World Golf Championship because that's with Golf TV. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. We can't do anything about that unless you've got Golf TV and good luck to you. Um, but I reckon they just go, oh, we'll watch the secondary one because that's you know normally the superior product or timeline to whatever is going on the LPGA. Nonsense. Yeah, like it's just yeah. a decision made, you know, ten months ago, and it's just all oh, the men's is on, whereas the women's. And they show the first three days, and then they just won't show the last round. That was the problem. Even more That's what I understand. If no. you've shown the first, if I get if it's not being broadcast or something, but anyway, hook us in. Yeah, we see that there's two Australians <laughs> on, the, on the front page of the leaderboard. We get invested, yeah. and then you can't see the last round. It's just stupid. Yeah, um, we we should talk about the actual golf. Yeah, no, I mean, well, we are. We're yeah, on there. Get that out of go. our system. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Good start from you guys. <laughs> pretty solid. <laughs> good. We didn't get. Uh... I haven't had much sleep this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would have um, been a better time zone for you to watch it in Perth. Um, uh, Minji Lee for the second year in a row has been not stitched up. It was just it's just good golf. It's mm. great to watch by one of the most awesome approach shots. Mm. you'll ever, ever see. Last mm. year, I think it was in San Francisco, we yep. watched Lydia Coe stitch her up with a near albatross, and yesterday it was Nellie Corder. Mm. I mean, she's been beaten by two great people um, who are playing great golf, so, you know, it's just the way it goes sometimes. But, wow, what a shot by Nellie Corder under the gun in a three-way playoff. It was incredible. It was a brilliant shot, yeah. and she'd played a lot of brilliant shots. Mm. Unfortunately for her, she got really yippy in that last round. She missed... She three putted about five greens, I reckon. Yeah, a couple of the, the back nine. Yeah, and and the 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 second putts were they were within three feet. Some of them. Yeah. They were, they were she not tappings. She was four ahead on the back nine, Nelly Corder. Yeah, and then suddenly Masson was one up. I think on seventeen, and she said, "I heard Nelly this morning. She said this is first ever playoff uh, that and she won it. Right. She said she was just super nervous, like." Even standing over that five hybrid or whatever she hit on from the fairway, she said she was super nervous. Yeah, right. The putt looked nervous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not to make short. the distance downhill from seven feet or whatever yeah. it was. But, you know, as it turned out, it didn't It didn't really matter. So, um, so Minji, can, she'll probably kick herself for that approach on 15. She, mm. she missed about two fairways for the entire week. Yeah. I and mean, her driving was magnificent. She tugged that ball left into the deepish rough. On 15, she still should have found the green. I'm mean, going mm. to take the pin out of the equation. But she, she need to be long there, not yeah, short. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She probably tried to play too perfect a shot yeah. from those from that lie. So, yeah, she made a great bogey. But she, st- she sticks at it. I mean, mm. she's a remarkable character, on-course character. Some of us would like to see a bit more flamboyance <laughs> from our athletes. If you want to see that, don't bother. Don't watch Minji Lee. But if you want to watch, watch great tennis. ball control and just an ironclad competitiveness. Mm. She just keeps coming. No matter what happened yeah. five minutes ago, she can compartmentalise it and put it away. Good and bad. She's the same person. She's the exact same person. She Amazing. doesn't even think about it. She's just process-driven. Yep. She is the ultimate process player. It's unbelievable what she does. Four well, runner-ups this year now. Is that on right? The, on the LPGA Tour. 
So, yeah, and, so and a third as well to some, go with the win. So. Somebody would say, somebody, mm. some people say, well, she's a non-winner. Yeah. That's the thing. But then what do we say? We're so happy that every third week she's in the top five. So, yeah. I mean, that's what we take. Because we'd love that from a lot more of our Australian golfers. Of course. It's a bloody great effort to be four runner-ups and a win in the year. Is there something she's put herself in the frame more often, more regularly than anyone since Norman. Yep. Comfortably, maybe even including Norman. Yeah. Uh, she's remarkable. I, I You know, you... We always grain of salt things when all the big guys say, you know, if I can be there and when it starts the back nine on Sunday, I'm, that's all I can mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Take it from there. Well, that's all she does. She won once this, yeah, once once this year. LA, yeah. Yep. So when she gets to the end of the year, she's going to make a lot of money. She's going to be sitting comfortably inside the top 10 in the world rankings. Yep. Is she going to be disappointed I reckon. to a degree with the year she's had? I reckon, yeah, I reckon. If she doesn't get another win between now and Not, she like She's obviously had an unbelievable year, but yeah. I reckon it really would... She's so competitive; it would burn her that she keeps. She can't get over the line. I think, which is a good thing. Yeah, I don't. I, I think yeah. that would be a natural, co- yeah. like professional sports yeah. persons, on on so many, on so many elements, on so many counts. Mm. Her year's been fantastic, but she she would want to win more. Well, she's going to come on the show in a couple of weeks, Andy. Right. So we'll, we'll, have we'll, a chat we'll, we'll ask her about it because yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I you don't agree. Yeah, I, I do to an extent because she's a very competitive woman. So clearly, she wants to win. Uh, it goes without saying. But I, I think she's, while not happy that she's not getting over the line, presumably, that she's happy that everything's working towards putting herself yeah, in the right for spot. For sure, no doubt. About and I reckon that. a lot of those sort of runner-up top fives, whatever. It's not she's not playing lights out, and she's not leading, and then sort of stumbling at the end. She's probably not even playing her best golf. So like, absolutely, to be able I agree to with that. Put the notch these results up, not playing. A game, definitely. Yeah. That's a great effort. Agree. Agree. Yeah. So, oh, fantastic again. Um, yeah. So, I'm now, now I'm the opposite way here because that's two weeks in a row yep. where a really good Sunday would have done her something, a really good service. Yes. What, no yep. matter what her mission is in, in golf, whether it's to break that duck and get a win on the LPGA Tour or whether it's to make the Olympics or both, I don't know. But um, I, I think 72 there is probably – not flattering for her as well as she played. She was oh, no, fantastic all week. Mm. Yeah, totally agree with that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, she'll make that next step. But this is a hard block of tournaments as opposed to the men's tour. All the girls are really having a crack here right now. Mm. And the, the fields are deep. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good players that she's now in the mix with, you know, yeah. sort of dueling it out with on Sunday. So, you know, she's at the very, very deep end of the pool now, mm. you know, that says, no, or is it the shallow end of the pool? If you're at the good part, uh, is it the shallow or the deep end of the pool? Deep. You want, She's to, be in the deep, you want to be in the deep end. She's yeah. in the deep end of the pool. Um, one thing I noticed about her yesterday, she seems to be getting stuck over shorter putts. She's so, Yeah, she seems to be spending, spending an awfully long time, like line up, get in position, address the ball, putter behind the ball, and then the mental, you know, is it all – she seems to just be getting a bit stuck. Now, I don't know how long if – my read of it is right. I don't know how long she's been doing, whether this is a very mm. recent development or whether she's always been a bit sort of static over the long putts and giving herself a long time to mm. get it all right before she pulls the trigger. But yesterday she just seemed to be taking a fair, fairly long time. She made most of the parts. I didn't see her miss yeah. me. But um, not just, if you're next time you watch her, just yeah, keep an eye on that and see what you think. Did you see the story about um, Nellie Corder's caddy? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> 
So her caddy, Jason, yeah. was the fiance of Carolyn Masson, who ended up in the playoff. And they played, <laughs> obviously, together in the final round. So that was a great grab from Nelly at the start of the day. She said, I'm going to tell him that at the end of the day, I'm signing, I'm signing his paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all getting photos together afterwards, and it was pretty amazing. Well, it was a great day for him. <laughs> it was a great is day. Is it a win-win or yeah, is it a lose-lose? Well, <laughs> I'm going to look at the glass half full here. I think it's a win-win. The, the missus gets a good check. She doesn't win. His player wins, yeah. so that's... It's a pretty good result. I, I guess Minji winning would probably would have been worst case scenario. For him. It would have been for sure. Uh, where do you want to go next? There's a few other bits and pieces. Um, Brian McPherson is going to join us after the break, and whatever we don't get to, we'll get to after Brad Kennedy. R- Rory's Rory's year starting to become you know major free, good. obviously, but it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, he's starting to build the kind of McElroy profile that we expect from him year in year out a little bit. Eighteen top tens this year, which is his personal best in a calendar year. 11 top fives. Is that right? For Rory. And four, four wins, wins in his yeah. last 15 starts. Yep. Since the Open, he's gone fourth, sixth, 19th, win, two, nine, 26, and then three and one. That's pretty good. Since the calamity yeah. at Royal yep. Port Rush. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, this is, I feel like this is kind of the year that we expected from Rory like three or four years ago hmm. when he was just like, it was about to be all him. Sort of expected from him every year. Yeah. And he sort of went in the, not the wilderness, but... It got real competitive, and he's obviously hasn't won a major now five years, I think it is. But yeah, but this year has been historically good from him. So I'm the, just being argumentative today, aren't I? No, no, I, I, no. I think he needs to frank it with a major. Oh no, I agree. Yeah, if he's going to be he historically good, in your words, he needs to yeah. pop one of those big four under his belt and quickly, preferably the preferably the green jacket, so he can get that monkey off his back. Then we might see something. Oh, it's going to be so big in April. That he'll be. That's a that's a gorilla. That's yeah. King Kong. That's already the biggest story. Yeah. It's huge. Augusta. It, it'll be interesting to see if he does win that. It'll be because he's still so young. Well, yeah, relatively mm. speaking, it'll be fascinating to see what happens after. He he. Mm. Oh, would you be if he if he wins it? Say he wins Augusta next year, right? Yeah. Would anyone be surprised if he went on a five year sort of Kepka-esque ke- ke- plus? Maybe a percentage or two greater yeah. sort of tear for five. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised at he, all. He could win sort of somewhat. He could win six, seven, eight, nine, ten majors in a five-year stretch. I reckon. Or as Justin says, he looks so good in these other tournaments. Yeah, you know, so it's clearly a mental thing because his game's there. Shot so. he played into eighteen. I mean, yeah, he's playing. Mad birdies there all week. I think uh, that uh, hole as well. It just the, yeah. the so Shawfly has to lay up. He sees the green light, Macro. Mm. He's comfortable on the hole, and he played. I don't know what is the three wood. I don't know what in the did. playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The four iron, four iron, in, did he? Yeah, it was just ridiculous. I mean, the, yeah. the his. I know Hagen says this all the time. Whenever you talk about the best player in the world, you know Johnny just says, "Well, it's clear. Don't even bother having a conversation. It's don't worry about golf Major. ranking points. It's, yeah. it's Rory McIlroy." And when you see, and we've had this chat yeah. so many times on this show, and I always come back. McElroy's best is just better than everybody else's. Oh, that's my gut. That's yeah. what I think anyway. I, I, you put yourself yeah. out there to be. Yeah, and I, I, I sort of flip flop between that and and Kepka because I think when Kepka bothers to yeah. try, yeah, yeah, well, I mean the numbers, the results just say, well, what are you talking about? Like, mm. of course, Kepka's best is better than McElroy's because he wins major championships, mm. you know, whereas the other bloke doesn't. But I don't know, it's just something about the way he plays <laughs> the game. Uh, the Australians. Well, solid again without being spectacular, really. Hmm. Adam Scott's just continuing his form. I can't wait to see him play at the Australian in December. It's going to be awesome. I think his next start is the Aussie Open. That's it now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
So that's good. Yeah, maybe mm. he's just he's tuned up for it properly. Like it's all gone to plan here for Adam Scott to, you know, finish the year in a big style. For his sake, it may well be a Stonehaven Cup, but I, you know, I bet you he really he's been the spiritual leader to use a great now football term <laughs> of the President's Cup international team for a long time. I reckon this he sees this as his last chance, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Because it's going to come a time when he's not going to get selected or be in yeah, there. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. he's yeah. nearly 40. It's just going to happen. So on home soil, um, you know, are we going to win? Probably not. But this is his last feeding him crack at it. So I think he's done his utmost to tune himself up for, you know, a big, big three weeks at home. It's going to be awesome. Well, from a President's Cup international perspective. It was an encouraging Ch- weekend. China was good. <laughs> yeah. Adam Scott was 11th. And then Louis Tazen, Abraham Ansel, the defending Aussie Open champ, and Hideki were all in the top 11 as well. Im, Arn, your man, Jane Watanonond was there as well. <laughs> Have I got that right? Jana Watanonond. Jana Jana Watanonond. Jane Watanonond. You know the one. Yeah, Jazzy. Jazzy J. Jazzy J. Jazzy J. And Corey Connors, all in the top 20. Yeah, there so. you go. So it was a great, was a Ooh, great week. You're going for Corey Connors to get a pick? I'm just reading the facts, Mark. Oh. Top 20 for Corey Connors. <laughs> Maybe, Smokey. Oh. It's not the first time his name's been mentioned. Yeah. No, no, it's he'd, not. He'd be an unlikely one. Who are you for? It comes out this week. The yeah, picks. it's happening this week. Both teams. I don't know. We've done this a few times. What, yeah. what did you tell flip. me on Friday, Arvo? Well, I, I think Sanjay? even though Jason Day's not in great form, he's a, he's a certainty to get picked. Yep. I would pick Jazzy J. I think Jana Batonanond has been exceptional all year in a mm-hmm. whole different range of things, and he's very popular. Uh, I Sung think Sanjay M almost picks himself. Form. And I'm I still although I'm waning on Eric Van Royen. That's that's it's <laughs> that's loose from you. <laughs> I had him in. I had Van yeah, Royen yeah. I had Van Royen in five weeks ago when we did this. Yep. Yeah. It's and, and have you yeah. changed? Uh, nepotism from Ernie? Is that yeah, I'm all it ne- ne- <laughs> self interest okay. rules today. <laughs> Sorry, Ernie. What's it's, what's Hadwin done the last four weeks? Not as much as Corey Connors. No. Joaquin Neiman's probably the form yeah. central or South or North American who's not American. It's an unenviable job. Oh, it's brutal. Can you? <laughs> Someone tells me that Ben Arn is a moral too, and I haven't even mentioned him. So I love Ben Arn. I'd yeah. get around that. Well, we had a good weekend in China. Yeah. Um, when do they come out? So we're we're talking on Monday. I think when it's Wednesday they? afternoon. Is do it? They? Right. Yeah, it's this week, and Tigers okay. Tiger will back up and do it too. So okay, back to back days. I think later this week. And the Americans. Of this six, who are the two that miss out? Finau, Woodland, Woods. We'd have to say he's Wood, in. He's got to be in. He's immoral. Fowler, in. Reed, and Kevin Nah. Nah, nah misses. Nah misses. So you've got to drop one out of Finau, Woodland, yeah, one of those Fowler, two. or Reed. No, nah, it's one of those so two. Nah, and it's either either Reed or Woodland for me. Who is it? Reed. 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 Wax. Really? Well, are you? I'm dropping Nah and Reed out of them. Just personality reasons? Uh, no, I think just... Form and rankings. Tate Woodland. They were they were playing together in was Japan last week. Gary Woodland and Tiger looked pretty um chummy. Pretty chummy. Okay, righto. So that's there you go. US Open champ. Yeah, got a lot of runs on the board. I think he I think he's ranked higher than Reed right now. Yeah, Finau is almost a certainty. I reckon Fowler too. I reckon Um, Reed would be. I reckon Reed around Royal Melbourne would be a better player than Gary Woodland. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for Woodland to blow up at the US Open, Andy, and, yeah. and under immense pressure, he didn't. Yeah. I just mm. don't. Uh, he's just another one of those bloody Americans. Oh no, I'm not talking. <laughs> no, no, no. I just freaking. He's I just, good. He's I just reckon, good. I reckon Reed's got more shots than Woodland. Mm. 
He's got a. But anyway, we'll wait. We'll and find out. Yeah, we will. I, I swear, I, this would potentially normally sit in the in the the back bit of the show. Oh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, we'll I want to put this up. Right, go. The Australian Senior Championship was played. PGA Championship. Australian Senior yeah. PGA Championship was played at um, Richmond, Richmond in New South Wales. Um, out in the wild northwest of Sydney uh, at, at the weekend it finished. It was a peter-off. It was the Battle of the Peters. It was a peter-off. It was unbelievable. Um, but I, Peter Senior has won his first one of these. Honestly, this isn't the biggest title. He's won by a long shot. But, you know, he's been trying for a few years now. He's got the most extraordinary resume. And you mm. just, it's him and Peter Fowler just don't know when to hang it up. I don't know. <laughs> it, I, I love him. I'm not popping them for that. No, no, not at all. They are just their golf is as good as ever. It's unbelievable. What Peter Senior's career is just off the charts. Um, you know, 34 wins on big tours. That doesn't get, take into account all the little ones he's racked up around <laughs> Australia. Yeah. But to have won in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the noughties, the tens, it's it's just it's almost inconceivable. It's it, we were talking last week, Andy, about uh, slamming Sammy Sneed yeah, yeah, and yeah. winning over these. Generations. This mm. is what Peter Senior's done. Well, he's probably the the, he's probably the Australian version. Yeah, without the, not, hasn't got the same smooth swing. No, but, no, no. But in yeah. terms of pre, just the prolific and long term, yep. you know, sort of successful run of the man. The, the the other thing about him too, and this is, well, I suspect he's not playing in the Australian Open. He won't be. I don't is know. He played the PGA last year, I think. Yeah. Memory, after sort of retiring. He played in either the PGA or the Open this year here. Mm. Who's to, who would be surprised if come Sunday, mm. Senior's name was within a couple of shots of the leader at some stage? The Australian might stretch him lengthwise. Oh, that's the only problem. He played two years ago, I reckon, at the Australian. Yeah, and that's when he that's when he buckled over. That's and, right. Re, and that was it. Oh no, that was might have been Royal Sydney. It was. It was Royal Sydney when yeah, he. Maybe right. Anyway, he, he um. The last time it blew its you know what off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Australian Open yeah. was was at the Lakes, Lakes. Mm, eight years ago. Uh, nine, seven years ago, he was bulletproof. Yeah, His swing was exactly as it is normally. And if it blows, he's every, and, it, and he played, he'd be, he'd be every chance. Yeah. Oh. That's how solid On the is. triple crown after turning 50, Peter Senior. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Remarkable. Crazy. Incredible. Um, so O'Malley Fowler, Senior nine under, O'Malley Fowler eight under, Lonard seven. There's the four Peters. And there was a Michael thrown in there for good measure. Defending champ Michael yeah, Long. Michael Long, who's a, you know, just another Pretty one handy. of those blokes who keeps playing great golf into his veteran years. Um, should we clear a break? Brian yeah. McPherson to join us. There's He's still a lot of stuff to talk about. Brian McPherson's going to join us in our regular catch-up with the man on the other side of this. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to the show, Inside the Ropes. Uh, regular listeners to the program will know that we catch up with, um, you know, several players routinely, and one of those is Brian McPherson, whose journey around the game of golf globally has been a fascination to us, and uh, he's always got thoughts that are worth hearing, and he's been good enough to join us again. Brian, thanks for your time, and welcome back to the show. Hey, no, good to be here, guys. Where do we find you? You find me right now in a hotel in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I've just... Uh 
driven three and a half hours back from Greenville, South Carolina. Just spent the afternoon with Bradley Hughes, um, working on a few things. And uh, yeah, after 10 hours of driving yesterday, to, to say the least, I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> So talk to us about um, Bradley Hughes because he's had a good week in Bermuda. One of his protégés had a win and Russell Knox was in the mix for a while. Um, how long have you been How long have you been working with, with Hughesy? Today was the first the first day. Wow. So he's, uh, he's been doing a lot of great things over the last sort of... Uh, well, he's been doing great things for a while, honestly. He did great things as a player. And then he's uh, now transitioned into really um, doing great things as a coach and, and it's starting to come to a head now with Russell Knox and Brennan Todd doing some work with Cam Percy, with Greg Chalmers. You know, he's kind of, he's starting to get a real following and for good reason because not only does he know what he's doing, he can actually do what he says you should do. So that's, <laughs> I think, rare and he's in there as well, which I think is a, a level of like relation that I think a lot of coaches don't don't have. Is that the reason you didn't take my putting advice at the Vic Open last year? <laughs> I mean, in part. In part. <laughs> How did you yeah. find what, – what drew you to him? Had you been following him social media-wise? Had you spoken some, to some people? What, what was the lever that, that got you to Hughes? Well, I've known Hugo for a few years. Um, I played with him – I played him a little bit when he was actually trying to uh, set up a teaching gig in Australia. Um, but the PJ wouldn't let him without doing a bridging course, which is a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. But, um, and he eventually found his way over here in the States. And I've been spending the last three years working with uh, Craig, as they say over here, Craig in Australia, Harmon, um, who is the third of the, of the Harmon brothers, Butch being the oldest. And um, it's just time for me to make a little bit of a change to uh, sort of, gain a little bit of a deeper understanding um, of what I'm doing because, you know, it hasn't been what I wanted it to be. So uh, Hugo, a smart guy, has been there, has won before, is, has always had a reputation as a phenomenal ball striker for very good reason. And more importantly than anything else, he can explain why he's a good ball striker. And so I think that drew me to him because, you know, I'm uh, also a fan of, of understanding and uh, and being able to kind of execute like what I understand, and I think that's that's kind of something that drew me to him. And and we had a great afternoon today, and look forward to the next one. He's a smart guy, really smart guy. Can you tell after one session that you're onto something, or, or does it take longer? No, I think I think uh, yeah, I, I think you can, Andy. Like I think it's it's you know it's it's whether or not it checks a few boxes. So you've got the does it make sense? And then yeah. you've got the can you understand it box and then you've got the how does it feel box. And then if you can check all those three in the first lesson, I think you can say, yeah, okay, this is for me. And, uh, or at least it's worth pursuing, you know. I mean, you never really know where this stuff's going to lead you, but I think you've got to have the, the guts to kind of, when you get into something like that, if it feels good, just jump in. Like that's my... That's my motto with everything. If it seems like it might be a good idea, just jump right in. And that's kind of the way I've lived my life up until this point. Um, you know, if I ever write an autobiography, it would be head first, eyes closed, can't lose. That would be, be the title. You've been workshopping that, mate. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, just, yeah, focus grouping it at the moment.
Let's see how we go. Yeah. Now, but that's just uh, I I just believe that you learn more that way. Yeah. Um, you know, you learn you learn more by getting in the deep end and figuring out how like how to deal with the problems that are inevitably thrown at you. I just think that's a but it's also a much more exciting way than life. Which my fiance agrees with me most of the time. <laughs> You're living life on the edge. Mate, you mentioned one thing there about the PJ, and I, I definitely don't want to make this a PJ bashing session because it deserves no one any purpose. And and they've, you know, done they're doing a lot of great things. So, but we did see you made a few, yeah. you ruffled a few feathers a couple of weeks ago when you when you put out a tweet about Cameron Champ playing the Australian PGA Championship um, in uh, at at the Gold Coast in Royal Pines in in mid December. Um, do you care to enlighten our listeners about that and, and your thoughts? Yeah, well, again, like I, I'm, it's not really a PGA bashing uh, session for me either because, to be honest, I don't really know anything about the PGA. I don't really know many of the guys in charge. I don't know about their ethos or their approach or anything like that. So I can't really make any comments about how the intricacies of the, of the organization are run because I really don't know. But, you know, for a while now, we've seen this kind of model that they've done that, where they have these big events, big by the Aussie standards on the on the Aussie calendar, and they seem to just pluck these guys from you know the European tour and the PGA tour, pay them a large sum of money to come and play the event in the hope that somehow that will make it a great event because they'll get an extra 25 people through the gate. With the exception of Tiger Woods, and I think probably the problem was is that it worked so well with Tiger Woods back in 2009 when he came down for the first time. And they paid him, you know, three million bucks to come down and play. And he played and they made a whole bunch of money and, and sparked like a, a small wildfire of interest in golf for about the following three months. And I think that that seemed to work so well that they thought that, well, if it works with one player that way, why can't it work if we get three or four players down who are not Tiger Woods but who are also very good and it just doesn't work like it, it's I think it's proven now the fact that we don't have an Aussie Masters anymore has proven that whatever model it is that they're using to promote and try and grow these events it just doesn't work right I mean I think we can you know whether or not we agree on what the right answer forward is I think we can all agree that whatever they're doing is not right um, and I think it just came to a head for me a little bit just because Cam Champ, obviously being an amazing player, who has won on the PGA Tour twice now, but it's no secret what he's known for. And he hits it absolutely kilometers with the driver. And, you know, I think it just gets a little bit cheap where, you know, they're bringing him down because, yeah, he's a great player, but they're not bringing, like, Brian Gay down or Luke Donald down, who are equally as good a players. Brian Gay maybe not so much anymore, but in his day was the best putter in the world. You know, Luke Donald having one of the best inside 60 games in the world. You know, they're not bringing those guys down. They're bringing down Cam Champ, who's going to hit 380-yard bombs down Royal Pines, and they and they sort of feel that that is going to get uh, that that's going to get people through the gates. And it may in the short term, but it's just not going to work in the long term. Mm. Um, and yeah. Well, Golf Australia, I reckon, has been guilty of this too, Bryden. Just, I mean, you know, last year we had um, Brant Snedeker, Matt Kuchar. Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley. At least he was competitive for a fair chunk of it. Mm. I'll give him that. Mm. Uh, at the Australian Open. And I don't reckon they drew too many 
fans through the gate, to yeah. be honest. And yeah. it is a stopgap measure. I, I was actually reading, I don't know if any of you guys, particularly you probably haven't, Bryden, but I saw a really interesting article by Jack Wilson in the um, Australian Golf Digest about different formats, you know, that we, we should be taking up. And we, we might talk about the Gippsland Super 6 a little later on. But have you got any thoughts from a player's perspective, Bryden, about, you know, adopting different formats for what we would call historically sort of time-honoured tournaments? Yeah, I think the new the new formats can be fun. Um, I think, but again, like I still think it's a I still think it's a cheat promote um, to promote the to it. Like we're we're not talking about we're talking about changing the game here, right? I mean, like, but the U.S. Open and the Masters and the PGA and the Open Championship don't have any problem with attendance, right? They don't have any problem with. Um, you know, losing support or diminishing purses or not having the best players come in to play their event. They don't have these issues, right? So, and, and while, you know, people may think that it's silly to compare it to majors, I mean, I think that you've got to look at the people who are being successful and what they're trying to do. You know, and they're trying to grow the game and grow the golf tournament and they're being successful at it with 72 whole events. So, while it can be good to have these new formats, which can be fun and can maybe bring a different type of spectator out to watch the game, if you had the field that played in HSBC last week at the Australian Open, you would get a ginormous bump in attendance. And I think that's just the reality of the situation. And the, and the thing that they've done really well in China you know, having spent a lot of time there myself now over the last few years, the thing that they've done is they've maneuvered themselves into a position where they can create these events that, and this is what I said in one of my tweets, is that they, they create events that are so big and so important to the players that they don't need to pay them to come. And that's the situation they've been able to engineer and that's the and that's the exact opposite of what they're trying to do in Australia. Do you reckon if and we it's working yeah. China and it's not working for Australia? If we had this is to all of you, if we had a WGC event in Australia, does it come to stand a reason that we would get, you know, the same sort of field down here playing in that tournament? Hundred percent. If you had a WGC event, you would have eighty of the top hundred players in the world playing. See, if you could get one, do you two, do you, do you two, just before, do you, two, do you two agree with that? There were still a few that missed in China this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, we'd get, you'd think you'd get at least half the, how well, how big the field is, 80 odd, whatever. Hazy? Yeah, to a, to a point, I, mean, I definitely think we should be angling towards getting a WGC event and making one of our two historic events that event. But I'm not sure that we'd still get you know, a Dustin Johnson or a, yeah, I don't think so. a, um, a Tiger Woods or a Brooks Kepka, who are the genuine needle movers. I do definitely take uh, Bryden's point and agree with the fact that the depth of the field will be better for the tournament than than, than three or four half-baked superstars, in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just not sure if it gets the people who put it on the back page, if that makes sense. Back to you, Bryden. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like like I said, like it's, it's one of those things where there's not really like a definite answer. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I think I think if, if let's put it this way, like, and China, as as much as it is improving as a country, especially it has since I first went there to now, if you can get 
those players to go to China to play an event without paying them to show up and play the event, you can get those players to come to Australia mm. without paying them to play an event. Because China, they all hate going to China. <laughs> you know, all the European tour players hate going to Volvo China and they don't like going to BMW. No one likes going to HSBC. People can't wait to leave. So you can get all of them there purely based on their own self-interest. Mm. So why can't you get them to come to Australia, one of the greatest countries in the world and one of the best places for tourists to want to go on holiday? Why can't you get them to come there? I don't understand. Like, well, I, don't, I don't understand why, why it's not actually less of a feat. Ten million, you know, ten million dollars, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, and see, this is the other problem that I think people take is that they look at it the wrong way around, when they think that you need the money first. Well, no, you need a good event first. You know, the reason why the Australian Open Tennis is worth sixty-four million dollars in sponsorship money is because the event is worth sixty-four million dollars. It's not, you know, the event isn't as big as it is because the purse is $64 million. Yeah, and I, and the I purse is that big because the event is worth it. I normally agree with you on these and things, but I, I think historic, it's worth that amount because it's been given the absolute privilege of being a major championship or a Grand Slam in that case. I, I think had that been what we would have, you know, we once called the Australian Open Golf the fifth major. If that had been the fifth Grand Slam at some point and, and it had faded off the top four, it wouldn't be worth $64 million. It would be worth a, a very small percentage of that. So I think it's historically lucky. And mm. perhaps golf tournaments in Australia haven't had that good fortune. Perhaps. And again, I don't, I'm not a history buff and I don't really know how the decision was made to make the Australian Open Tennis Grand Slam. But the fact is, is that it is. Yeah. And also, the fact is that, yeah, the Australian Open is not going to become a golf major, right? Let's just get that. That's no. not going to happen, okay? But there's no reason why it couldn't be a WGC event. Mm. Or there's no reason why it couldn't be a Rolex event on the European Tour. I think that's probably more attainable. Yeah. Because then you can have a couple other European Tour events around it. And if that was a Rolex event, there's, there's no way that you would struggle to get the 7 or 8 million euros you would need, 7 million euros, to put that event on. Over time, now if you built it towards, you know, where players on the European Tour couldn't afford not to show up to the Australian Open, you'd be able to build that. I'm not saying I would be able to, but someone who is good and business savvy should be able to build that into a seven million dollar purse because there's sponsorship money there for the F1, for the Aussie Open tennis, for the cricket, for all that kind of stuff. The money is there right now. It's just not a preference for the golf. Golf's like in the when it comes to handing out checks. And the reason is because our events aren't that good. So if they start to work on the, the quality of events and make the events mean more to the players and have the players start to show up because of self-interest, not because of paychecks, then all of a sudden the events start to look a little bit different. I think you get the ball rolling in the correct direction instead of at the moment where it's not. Is and it... the other thing is that if you look at it, like if you look at the Australian Open, it's 1.25-ish million Aussie has been for a while. They pay out at least that amount in, in, in appearance fees to guys. So if all of a sudden, so the actual money going into the event is 2.5 million Aussie-ish, 
So the jump from 2.5 million Aussie to 3.5 million Aussie, if it becomes a European tour event, is not that big. And, and then and then from there, you're off and running. And then you get announced that it's a Rolex event three years. It's not that big of a jump to get it to 6 or 7 million Aussie. And then up it goes. It's like if you build it and you have enough of a longer view, there's no reason why it isn't possible. Are we going to see you down here this summer? What, what are your what are your moves golf playing wise? I don't have any status in Australia. Um, I've asked for invites because I've been you know speaking quite vocally about how Aussies need to come back and support their home tour. So I thought I would at least. Uh, I, I mean, I've asked for invites playing the events. Um, I don't like my chances, but I've uh, I've done everything that I can do to try and get into the events because I want to be there. Mm. But it's just uh, it doesn't seem to be. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting a lot of response from that, but that's okay. I'll play better, and uh, and then I'll come down and, and play. So, do you reckon it simply but, comes um, down? It just comes down to that. Do you, do you think there's no other agendas or anything? You're not you're not having things held against you for being slightly outspoken about a few things. It's just it's just simply where you're at with your game at the moment. I mean, it's not really. Uh, I, I you know I wouldn't really know the answer to that question. Um, mm. By definition, those people probably wouldn't tell me. <laughs> Mm. And, uh, and you know, the thing is that, yeah, I may be a little outspoken on some of these issues and, and I may have strong opinions. I'm also very welcome to people explaining to me how they don't make sense. Um, and I would love to hear how I'm wrong. But I think that the, the track record over the last 15 years in Australian golf, professional golf, kind of speaks for itself, really. Um and I think that we've had two, I think the, the difference between the impact that our country has had on the game and the size of our biggest events is way too out of whack. Mm. You know, we've had a much bigger impact on the game than the Australian Open being worth 1.2 million Aussie. Mm. You know, we've had amazing players. We've, we've, we've um, shifted the world of course design. You know, we, we're a tourist destination for golf. People love coming down to Australia and playing our courses. We've had players who have, like, dominated the world, who've competed for, you know, decades. And somehow we're insignificant when it comes to the actual tournament. That, to me, seems like mismanagement. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm more than happy to be outspoken on these issues, but it's because I care. It's not because I think out of something that is, that it's, it's some kind of, uh, you know, self-preservation type thing. It's just, I care about Australia and I care about Australian golf and I want it to be at least as good as Chinese golf. I mean, come on. Well, mate, anybody you know, who, any, like, you know, anyone who listens to this show, I mean, I'll speak on your behalf here. Anybody who listens to this show who thinks that you're not fair and reasoned in your thoughts, whether they want to agree with you or not, but they're considered opinions. I don't think I, I, I don't think the people are listening. If that's the case, so hopefully it's not that. Hopefully there's not a set against. I'm sure there's not. No, I would be. I would be shocked if there was. So if it's not to be here, when do you? When will you start playing competitively again? So I'll have some work to do here with the stuff that I'm doing with Hugo, um, but I'm going to be doing some of the stuff here in the states over the next uh, sort of three months. Um, you know, some Monday qualifiers, there's some things for like the Sea Island PGA Tour event and uh, all the Florida Tour events and stuff like that. And then there'll be some local stuff and then we'll get going um, if 
you know, if it goes that way for China again next year. Um, and hopefully I'll be better equipped um, outside of 60 yards to be able to take advantage of uh, of some of the stuff I do inside of 60 yards. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I feel like I'm, I feel like I know the game better than I ever have. Uh, I think I just need to get a little bit of better understanding of myself. And I think uh, if I can put those two together, then it'll be, it'll be good to go, hopefully. But well, you never know. Well, mate, we'll, keep, we'll, we'll stay in your corner. You know that. And um, we'll keep watching from afar. And hopefully not from such a great distance. Hopefully somebody does pick up one of those letters and uh, or emails, whatever, however you've sent it over, and have a bit of a read of it. And it's a sympathetic ear and eye. And uh, an invitation is extended to you. We'd love to see you down here playing. But if not, um, we'll give you a call again sometime and have another chat. Thanks for being part of it again, Bryden. No, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. You're a good man. Bryden McPherson joining us here on Inside the Ropes. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen Listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes and we've got another special guest joining us today. Uh, I guess a semi-regular Justin on the uh, on the Inside the Ropes podcast. Yep, more than once. That's yeah. that qualifies. Yeah, friend of the pod almost. Yep. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, we're delighted to welcome back Brad Kennedy. And last time we spoke, Brad had uh, notched his third win over on the Japanese tour last year. And we just wanted to catch up with him. And I know he's got some other information he'd like to pass on. We are not a, we don't do make a habit of providing tips, given that you and I are choppers, and that's probably not advisable. <laughs> but it's probably good when you've got a, um, a winner of multiple tours on multiple tours around the world in your midst. Brad Kennedy, welcome aboard. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're speaking to you having just headed back to Japan for, I guess, the next and final phase of the Japanese tour season. Yeah, it is. It's a very busy time for Japan. We we have a an off-season through June, July with the summer, and, and now there's literally a tournament every week leading into the last week of December, uh, first week of December, which is our tour championship. So there's these next week, four weeks are important, not only for, for myself trying to get into that JT Cup, which is the, the top 30 on the money list, but also guys that are, are fighting for the, the top 60 spot to be exempt for next year. So there's, there's a few Aussies in that uh, situation at the moment. So, and then Q School coming up as well for a lot of other Australians coming up. So hopefully we can have a, a good representation there next year. How are you placed, Brad, in relation to that in terms of the top 30 and the top 60 and... How do you feel like you're playing uh, on the back of that sort of question? I'm 27th currently, so I'm sort of on the, knocking on the door of the, the JT Cup. And it's been a bit of an up-and-down year. I've sort of had a, had two back injuries early in the year, just after the New Zealand, uh, after the Aussie summer through to New Zealand events. I've injured my back quite quite heavily, so I was out for, for a little bit. And then only two months ago, again, I, I was over in Japan, had 30 minutes away from the first round at Fuji Sanki and, and dipped my back again. So I had to had to fly home and get that sorted. So it's been 
a little bit interrupted, but in saying that, the last last trip, which was a four week trip, was uh, was was positive. Finished sixth at, at the Bridgestone Open and and fifth at the Japan Open. So hopefully, with this next trip coming, I can lead continue that form and really finish off the off the season well. It's it's a great time of year in Japan. The the, the courses are phenomenal and. It's really the time that, that you need to be playing well. Was that a bit frustrating to run into a couple injuries at that time of the year, early in the season? As you mentioned, the Aussie summer, you finished runner-up at the Vic Open and then 10th in Perth and then top five again in the New Zealand Open the week after. So I guess those injuries probably came at a bit of a bad time for you because you obviously playing pretty well at that point. Yeah, they did. It was, it was the, I guess the summer's great for me to, to be prepared. I'm normally not practicing just before that. I like to take a good four to six weeks off. So I come into the Australian summer quite underdone and played really well, which was which was great to see. And yeah, just got back, started training heavily, getting prepared for April for Japan, and yeah, just did a had a back issue, which which was quite scary to be honest. I haven't had a, a back issue like that before, and um, I guess with me now getting older, I've really got to be more conscious of what I'm capable of. But yeah, at the same time. I've, trying to stay there for as long as I can. So I've got to try and keep up with these young 20-year-olds that are uh, <laughs> starting to come through. <laughs> Maybe you're up there with a couple of, you know, I don't want to speak ill of him, but grizzled sort of veterans like Brendan Jones up there in Japan. I'm, I am going to give him a hard time having just said that. Grizzled? Well, he's a good bloke, but he, you know, he's a veteran. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we're all veterans once you get past 40, apparently. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to run through the Aussie season with you. Um, we don't get to see them week in, week out on TV. Unfortunately, we do our best to follow it on the websites and through chats with guys like yourself. But there are currently, of the, all the people you mentioned there, Brendan Jones is 11th, Matt Griffin 20th, yourself at 27, Won June Lee at 39, uh, Anthony Quayle 44, Dave Bransden, another grizzled veteran at 48, and Dylan Perry first up at 64. That's a pretty good yep. representation, isn't it? It is. It's. I think our... It's just the quality of the golf up there makes you have to perform as simple as that. And I think Japan's a great pathway now for for guys that are really wanting to test themselves against the, the best in the world. Korea is definitely becoming a lot stronger representation in Japan as well. So it's really starting to become an international tour again, which mm. is what it deserves. The, the quality of the field is, is amazing and especially coming into the end of the season now, there's quite a lot of US tour players that will play Dunlop and Visa and, and their their first impressions when they come over to Japan is, wow, these are, these are some of the best courses we play all year. And we say, well, this is standard for us. So it's, it it really, it's it's a great place to play. And, and it's close to home for us too. We can, we can fly out Sunday night if we've got a week off and really spend that time at home and, and go back again. So it gives you, you're not having to be forced to stay away when you've got a week off. And I think that, and the, the big key for me, I guess, staying over there and enjoying it is we get two off seasons as well. So we, we start in April, finish in June, and then we don't start back again till August. So you have, you have two off seasons to, to get yourself ready, train, prepare, work on things that you believe you need to work on. So you get that, you keep sort of stepping your stepping your game up in your performance, yeah. which a lot of tours you don't have. When I was in Europe um, years ago, I'd, you just feel like you get you're spinning in circles. You're playing every week, and 
Um, you don't really get a chance to stop and refresh and, and work on your game to sort of take it to the next level. Every time I hear you guys talk about this yourself and Matt Griffin and Brendan Jones when he was on recently, it just makes more and more sense yeah, to me. The it makes me want to go there tomorrow. Yeah, That's it really it. does. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you've got to go there for the food too. The, the food and the golf course are the, the second to none. And, and, and they, 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 they do treat you well over there. The spectators are great. We get some great crowds mm. out to the golf. Uh, and you got to look at last week at the Zozo. It was 25,000 people yeah. there a day. And uh, we don't get that every week. But <laughs> there's there's definitely fifteen to 20,000 out there over the, the course of the week. And they're passionate about their, their golf. They love their golf. And, mm. um, yeah, but and just, I guess just... Some, sometimes it can be a little bit, uh, for for young guys going to another country, it can be a, a little bit bit tricky, but Japan doesn't seem to have that, um, which is which is great. And Justin's big on his whaling too, so it's, I can see the definite lure. <laughs> oh no, that's total rubbish. I, should, I shouldn't say that on public record. Brad, um, you mentioned you were twenty seventh, and the top thirty play the JT Cup, which I think is roughly the same week as the Australian Open. Have you got plans around the Australian Summer this year, or is it dependent on what happens for you? And I assume it's the same for the other guys as well. Yeah, it is dependent on Japan. It's I'm I'm sort of in a tricky spot at the moment. I'm third on the money list in Australia, and sort of got the aspirations to to look into the money list and and a few of the exemptions that go with that, but also at the same time. The, the Japanese tour really is the, a full-time tour for me. So mm. yeah, mentally, I've committed to Japan to try and get myself into the JT Cup, which is, a, I guess, a, a, a reward for your efforts throughout the year. And it's a great event, too. It's in the middle of Tokyo. And as much as it's freezing cold, which a guy coming from the Gulf Co- Gold Coast, I don't enjoy, <laughs> it's, it's just a great event. There's only 30 players, and um, yeah, it just really... You get the reward for a great year and um, finish it off, and it's great for the sponsors in Japan too to see you playing over there. So hopefully I'll be in Japan, but if not, coming back to the Australian Open will be a great chance for me. I haven't played the Australian Open for over 10 years Mm. due to them clashing. Uh, It'll be be nice to come back, and the players that are playing this year, I think it's going to be a very special Aussie Open the, you mentioned the winning the money list back home. I think it was Jake McLeod who did it last year, and the benefits, as you said, it's a European tour card for the following year. Is that the sort of carrot that's interesting you the most? Or I know you played a little bit in Europe quite a while ago now, but is that what's sort of keeping you interested in having a look at the money list back home? To be honest, no. The the main the, the main thing for me would be just to have that as a, I guess as a something to, to have achieved in, in my career to win, win the Australasian Tour to merit it, the, the World WGCs would be nice but for me just winning winning the Automerit before I hang the clubs up would be something that, that would be would be pretty special so if I was to do it I'm not sure whether I would take the opportunity, I haven't really thought that far down the track yet I'm very committed to Japan and I've still got a, a full year next year due to my win last year, so I'm exempt there till the end of next year. And after that, I'm, I'm, I'm unknown. I'm sort of uh, trying to wind down as much as I can. My girls are growing up, and I really want to start to spend some time at home with them and looking at other ways to not only stay in golf, but also things outside of golf that 
I might be able to pull back the playing schedule and, and concentrate on that. Brad, uh, I think you made a lot of old-timers happy with your reverence for the Order of Merit too, by the way. I think that's really important. So that was good to hear that. Um, you mentioned there some stuff off the course, and I know you've been really busy um, at the Gold Coast base preparing a, a series of videos and teaching aids and more so passing on your experience with something you're calling Project One Putt. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it really emerged about two years ago. Um, I was just doing some doing my own drills and doing my own work and a friend of mine came up to me and asked me what it was all about and what I was doing and he said, well, why don't you, why don't you create a putting, a putting aid? You, I guess for me, fortunately, I've been known as, as quite a good putter all my career and uh, even over the last five years, I've had guys on tour asking for a bit of advice and, and trying to share my knowledge and I thought, well, yeah, why not? And It's been a little bit tricky trying to develop it and play at the same time and now I'm in a situation where I am I'm selling it it's I've done all the videos and it's it's quite a tricky balance but it's something that I've that I feel golf has given me such a longevity in the game and, and putting is as a real passion of mine so it's something that I felt like I really wanted to give back to the game in a, in a sense and especially for kids growing up really having to know the importance of putting and I I guess I was a, a product of my own environment when I was a kid I I was a junior at Service Paradise Golf Club on the Gold Coast and our driving range was 120 yards long so you really didn't have an option to, to hit drivers it was just working on your short game and putting and and that's for me I think that's what's given me the longevity in my career as well so yeah. to share that knowledge and also been working with Dave Allred over the last five years in a performance sense. I feel like I've created a a good putting tool to be able to teach you the art of putting, which for me is is all about reading greens, not not so much technique. It's about reading the greens, understanding what the green's telling you, how to then adapt it to, to speed and distance control. And yeah, that's, well, before you that go, is what's won me the tournaments. Yeah, and before you tell us a little bit more about that, perhaps um, you know, for example, you know where the ball drops into the hole as opposed to hitting ramming it in the front from where you're standing. I just wanted to point out, yep. not often I do research, Brad, but I've actually come in a bit organised today, which is a bit unlike me. But <laughs> I noticed that um, on the Japanese tour this this year, you were ranked 39th in the putting, which is perfect. That's fine, but you're only point oh seven shots per round or putts per round behind the guy on top of the putting order. So the distance between number yep. one and number 39 is less than 0.1, well less than 0.1 of one putt per round. It's incredible like the importance yep. on this statistic, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it, uh, I guess the, we often dismiss putting because it's not a, it's not a, part of the game that excites everyone. Everyone wants to stand on the on the driving range and hit drivers and all gets the testosterone going. It's it's putting <laughs> it's the putting that actually you've got to finish. It, it's yeah. the last putt every the last shot every hole. It and it counts for everything. There's there's nothing nothing better than holding a putt on the last hole to win a tournament or even just to 
to win a win the drink off your mates or even a ten dollar bet. That's you forget about the driver, but it all stems back down to the down to making that putt, and that's the that's the shot you talk about as well. And Brad, tell us about the as Hazy touched on. It's you sort of really put a focus on looking at where the ball, which side of the hole the ball's entering, not just, as he said, ramming in the front. And then you've got the aides there that sort of help you work on and really laser in on sort of making sure the ball enters on the high side and sort of training yourself to get that really fine-tuned. Yeah, well, I think with, with putting, the, the hardest thing to learn is how to read the green itself. And I think technique technique with putting has to be very individual to, to give you that confidence and but to read the green, understand what the ball's going to do, it creates a bit of, well, you need that creativity side and the visualisation to actually see the ball going in the hole. And if you can't do that, then you're only reacting to what the green does. When you, you first putt, you might hit a two-foot pass, and then the next one you're actually hit a bit softer. You're not actually learning what the green is giving you to say, OK, well, it's a, it's a right-edge putt, so I need to hit it right edge for it to drop in the centre of the hole and to I guess in, in, in a, the easier terms, the centre of the hole can be anywhere, it's all related to the break mm. and to to know where the centre of the hole is, is what it's all about because then that maximises the, the width of the hole and if you don't maximise the width of the hole then you're actually decreasing your chance to make that putt and that's that's the key to not only learning it, but then being able to go onto the golf course and produce it. And I think that the best putters in the world, uh, I've always looked up to guys like Brad Faxon, Lee Jance and Fred Couples, the guys who just have natural putting strokes, but they're also the best at reading the green, but also speed control. It looks like the ball just disappears at the same speed regardless of distance. It just keeps going in the same speed, and that's that, that takes a real, I guess, a real great putter to, to be able to do that. And part of it, so that the drills that I've created and the, and the tools that you use are designed to give you, to help you that. Brad, so looking at one of the videos there, you're talking, and you just mentioned then about, you know, taking notice of what the green's doing. But you're, you're big on, it seems like you're big on noticing what the green's telling you before you get into the nuts and bolts and the minutiae of each individual each individual putt. So, t- yes. for example, noticing general slopes of green or where water is, I noticed on your videos as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the I guess the the, the comfort for for most most members that they're, they're walking up to the green. That's when your knowledge has to start, so you can. You can understand where the flag is, understand where your ball is, and then you can really start to learn where the contours are. There might be elevations. You might have a, a two-tier green, which is quite easy, but then other times, most of the times around bunkers or water, there'll be slopes. So really take in that knowledge while you're walking yeah. and walking up to the green, getting ready for those parts. The more, you, the more knowledge you can give yourself, and I guess the, the easier it is to then work out what the what the ball's gonna do. And that's that that's a real art in itself is to, to have that. So instead of just wasting time walking up to the green, getting to the ball and then having to work it out, you can actually use that time to add add the knowledge that you're gonna to need to 
mm. from where the where the ball is. So I, I guess you never you're always thinking, you're always learning. That the beauty for us on tour is we get a yardage book with green 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 maps, which has got all the little subtle elevations. So we have a bit of an advantage. But if you're playing a course you've never seen before, then you really have to try and take note of your surroundings to then establish. Okay, well, I think the ball's going to do this, and and then that knowledge will then help you, I guess, give you that chance to make the putt. You've hit a chord here with Justin. He's furiously scribbling down notes here, Brad. It's quite amazing. <laughs> um, how can people get in, in involved with this? Like, it, it makes a lot of sense. I've watched a couple of the videos. It, it's it's logic and putting. I think is uh, inherently illogical for a lot of people. So I think this will help break it yeah. down. How how um, how can people go about? You know, getting involved with this. Uh, well, I've got the it's up on the website, which is projectonepart.com.au, and also on Twitter and and Facebook at Project One Putt. So there's there's plenty of avenues used to get it, and and the the great thing for me is to to try and introduce it to kids. Like I I know through my own experience, if I'm not putting well, then I'm not scoring well. So yeah. Sometimes on TV, it does get a bit skewed with the new technology of TrackMan and FlightScope where they're tracking the balls in the air, but that's all fine and well until you get to the putting green. The putting the putting is where it counts, mm. and you'll always see a guy on the last hole of a tournament having to make a putt to win, and that's where I think kids and people starting out really have to get a sense of how important putting is, and I know from my own experience, if I can break 110 putts in four rounds of golf, which is 27 and a half putts a round, I have a chance to win. Mm. If I have over over 110 putts, then I'm not. So it just goes to show even last week at the Japan Open, I had 120 putts mm. and I missed by three shots of being in a playoff. So that mm. just sells itself right there. Yeah. And if people, if people are having 35 to 40 putts a round, then working on working on your putting, then the, the drills I've really tried to enhance, that they're short, sharp, but they challenge you at the same time. So it gives you the, the real challenge, so can I do this? And, that, and that's that's what excites me with getting people back into putting. Is that It's got to be some excitement there, and there's got to be a challenge there to, to achieve the skill so that you can move from level one, level two, level three, level four. And, yeah, it's, it's great to see had a couple of videos sent to me with kids using it and giving themselves the fist pump and yeah it just I think that that for me is is what what it's all about just seeing kids really loving putting again and and then understanding how important it is if you could make putting as sexy as a Brooks Koepka bomb or a Tiger Stinger or something like that I'll be impressed mate you'd be a millionaire yeah yeah yeah, but that's um, yeah it's it's just a passion of mine I I really felt like I had to, I guess, with, with the knowledge that you get over a career, it's I think it's important to, to share it because I don't know yeah. how long I'm going to stay in the game for. And so for me, it's for me it's putting. For other people, it might be a different area. So I hope that it can, if yeah. I can help one one kid achieve their their goal, then I think for me I've, I've done my job as a, I guess, as a, a patron of golf to try and give give some someone some extra knowledge that they might not have had access to. 
Good man. So that's Project One Putt. Check it out on all the social media forms and, of course, the website, Project Project One Putt. You get all of um, Brad Kennedy's uh, years of knowledge and a few little videos and instructional pieces and the tools are, are invaluable. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Brad, we really appreciate yeah. you sharing your uh, experience with us uh, and we uh, look forward – well, I, I, I personally hope we see you at the Australian <laughs> Open, but – you know, for your sake, for your sake, I hope we don't. Yeah, and no, I appreciate the time, guys, and great to great to talk to you. And yes, either way, I'm I'll be somewhere in December, but I'm definitely going to be at the P, the Australian PGA just before Christmas. So I'll be playing playing at home, which will be great, and, and looking forward to seeing the Australian fans over the summer. Perfect, and good luck to, uh, chasing the Order of Merit crown. Great, appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Brad. Andy, uh, I'm I'm sorry you couldn't uh, be there for all of that chat, but he he's uh, he's fascinating. Brad Kennedy just he's so passionate about everything he does. Um, just to wrap up the Japanese side of things, um, a big eagle from um, Brendan Brendan Jones Brendan Jones to finish the tournament um, up there this weekend. Uh, finished T seven again. Brendan Jones, David Branson T thirteen, Wan Jun Lee T twenty two, and Dylan Perry T forty two. So just a, all those things we spoke about him with um, just. You know, they really, they, they've come to fruition in terms of the Australians pushing forward a little bit up there. So uh, another great week. Um, I bet you didn't realise that, you know, Mr. Falcon had a little penchant for, 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 for Minkies. Slander, yeah. Andy. Very disappointing. I've completely misjudged you. <laughs> I my, thought you were a friend of the earth. <laughs> I've got my lawyers onto it. <laughs> Hopefully Greta Thunberg's I, not listening to this podcast. I take that all back. It's just <laughs> absolute fallacy. you on Twitter. Fallacy. It's not true, but it just sounded funny at the time. So, um, uh, I, I just uh, want to point yeah. out a few things for around the world yeah, before go. we head on to greener pastures. Um, we mentioned um, you mentioned the fact that Brendan Todd had won in Bermuda. The best Aussie there was Rod Pampling, and Rian Gibson um, was was handy. Cam Percy continued his good form. Mm. Not a massive check, but just ticking over the FedEx Cup points, and that's important for him at this time of the year. I think Dave McKenzie. Uh, was again prominent on the uh, on the seniors tour, the champions tour, uh, tied fifteenth in California. But I did I wanted to talk about um, Ryan Ruffles. Yeah, good. Um, who you didn't see his name in the top ten on the on the um, leaderboard? Latino America. Yeah, Latino America leaderboard. Where were they playing? Was it in Argentina again? Argentina wasn't it? It was. Yep. yep. Um, but he finished thirteenth. He was only one shot away from being on the front page of the leaderboard, and he's. I think he's. Fifth, maybe or third in the little swing they're doing at the moment in the Argentina series as a series within a series. And while we haven't seen him uh, prominently at the top of the leaderboard for the last few weeks, he's still there because he's still churning out really consistent results. And what that meant, means is he's still 10th on the order of merit. So although we haven't spoken about him for a while, we always keep an eye on him. Mm. I just wanted to point out that he's still 10th. He's got 50456 US dollars to his name this year and the Latino America tour. Needs to get in the top five when this series wraps up in a couple, you know, five or six weeks' time. He's only nine thousand um, dollars shy of fifth place. Okay, and that that's you know, eminently doable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the way he's playing, I get, I still get the strong sense that it's going to be sooner than later. Mm. I, um, he's coming. Yeah, good. I, I I keep saying that, and I'm going to be right one day. Um, but yeah, he he's thereabouts. Even though we haven't seen him, I just you know we 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 we're in his camp too, just as we are with with Brighton. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah. want to see these guys, um, you know, get to where they deserve to be uh, for all the practice they do. 
um, Ryan Ruffles 10th. So he's got some um, handy names in front of him, but no one that I don't think he can overcome in the next few weeks. There's only probably one card locked away already, and that's the leader, Augusto Nunez. Uh, he's kicked clear. But the rest of them from second place, even Harmling, Evan Harmling, right down to probably, I don't know, maybe 11th place, which is the one behind Ryan Ruffles, Andreas Helverson. They're all in a mix to get the next four spots on the on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour next year. So go hard, Ruff. Mm. Well, getting out of them. We've heard enough. We've heard enough times on this show from enough people who understand the global realities of professional golf that you can get stuck on these tours. It's yeah. not as easy as you think. Just because a guy's got or a girl's got ability doesn't mean they're just going to sashay their way out of these third tier tours. Mm. It just it's just not that easy. From mm. and not that the three of us would know. But if you listen, you, you see somebody like Ruffles who clearly got a mm. lot of game. Mm. He he's not automatic out of this thing. And then you listen to people who have told us enough that it, it's tough. You and know, you make it onto the Corn Ferry, which is probably the hardest tour in the world to get out yeah. of. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. So you know, there's all of that. Hey, the Chris, the Christina Kim was the last one I had on my agenda. Mm-hmm. This was an interesting story. Uh, LPGA Q, Q school, she gets through, but. Uh, the second, I think it was the second last round. Round six, yeah. So, so round, third last, yep. third last round. Yep. Playing with her partners, forgive me, I can't remember their names. Uh, that neither of them got their ticket. Uh, but playing a par three, one of them hits eight iron in, and the other playing partner says, "Oh, what, what'd you hit, Becky? Or whatever <laughs> her name was." And she said, oh, "I hit an eight iron," and maybe gave her a signal, gave her the you know, the hand signal, you know, three, whatever, and. Christina Kim, who's been around, sees this happen, doesn't do anything about it at the time, gets through the end of the round, tells the rules officials, this is what I saw back on 10. Uh, she asked, she gave, you know, it's against the rules. So the other two get their two-stroke penalty. Neither of them make the um, grade. They don't get their cards. Christina Kim does. And it sort of was a – it didn't blow up. I didn't see too many people sort of saying about Christina Kim that, no. you know, being critical of her. No. but. But it's a, it, it's another under, and this is what Christina Kim's takeaway was. How can they not know these rules? It's, there's been a lot. It's staggering. That, that, I mean, a couple of weeks ago with Marcel Seam, when he thought it was lift, clean, and place for mm. eight holes and did it six times. <laughs> What's going on? Like, these are not difficult rules to know. I mean, in, in Seam's case, you know that before you walk out, yeah. in, given the conditions. There, this one, you just know you can't yeah. do that. You know, you can't do that on a Saturday comp. At our local club, no. you can't do that anyway. You're allowed to look in the bag if you're good enough to work it out. Good luck to you, but and you should be able to see anyway just by looking at the club what they're hitting. But to ask and <laughs> be given the information is a complete no-no. It's hard to believe that it's bizarre. I it's, don't mind it in social golf, but yeah, in, at, at that level, golf, and just because they God. they play like that every week, they that's they can't do that. So yeah. why suddenly do you do it and respond and just move on? And it's it is unbelievable. So weird. Good on her. Uh, anything else? Yeah, I've got a couple of things. Yep. Um, I want to give a big rap to Doey Choi, who's um, a ripping young woman uh, from Sydney. Became the first Aussie in 19 years, Andy, to win the New Zealand Amateur Championship Good at the her. weekend. Right. Uh, in, in a club in Auckland. Um, won on the 38th hole of an epic final against um, Karen Chu, I think her name was from memory. Uh, local girl, um, did really well, Dowie. Uh, banged in a 30-footer for a birdie on the 36th hole when her partner, when her opponent was inside six or seven feet. Um, so she did that to basically stay alive uh, and then won with a par on the 38th. So great reward. She's had a great couple of years, and I'm assuming at some point in the next 
you know, year at least that she'll take the pro, pro plunge and she's another one with great hope coming Good up. on her. Good on her. Um, I do want to point out there's another amateur coming through, Andy, and, he, and he's going to be playing in the Gippsland Super 6 this week. Um, so this is the first Gippsland Super 6 at Yalorn in uh, the beautiful Gippsland area Lovely. of Victoria. Some good mm-hmm. golf courses down that way. There really are. Yeah, yeah. my word, there are. Um, so great kudos um, to the PGA for taking you know the event that they started to another area. I think this is a great addition to the PGA Tour. Um, a couple of players playing there include Jeff Ogilvie and Marcus Fraser. Okay. Uh, and there's this bloke who's an amateur you might have heard of. His name's Brendan Goddard. Is he playing in it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and Blakey, Martin Blake has just done a story. It's Monday afternoon. It'll be up on the Golf Australia website. Chief Golf Rider. Chief Golf Rider, Martin Blake. Uh, Self-appointed it, title, is it? Yeah, yeah, that one was, yeah, that yeah, one was yeah, self-appointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, BJ is uh, probably better known to a lot of people as a former St Kilda and Essendon champion. Um but as you know, he's got a passion, as you said, I think very recently for for golf that's you know just off the charts. Mm. Did you know? Blakey told me before we went on air here. He's down to he's down to plus four. I know he's insane. Oh, I've been I've played with him. Mm. I've I've played with him too, and he's yeah. he's he's really good. But there's scratch really good. Yeah, yeah. When you start getting towards plus four. Yep. So Blakey's got him telling this story in 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 Blakey's yarn on the website. Where he was played with um, Ogilvy when Ogilvy got his handicap, his club handicap back recently at, at Peninsula Kingswood, I think. Mm. Um, and they went to the first tee and they figure out what they were playing for among them. And and uh, um, Goddard had to give Ogilvy two shots. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can imagine so the ridiculous. words that came out of his mouth. <laughs> uh, well, he he does every you play he does everything like a pro. Oh yeah, he dresses like a pro. He thinks like a pro. He suits up like a pro. Yeah, he, yep. Everything about the way he plays golf, he does with a very professional application. And he's lined up for the Vic Am in a few weeks, I think. Yeah, I think that's right too. Yep. Yeah. I, it's, it's actually, if he gets in a photo bobbing finish, it's going to be fascinating to see how he goes. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because mentally he's been there and done everything. Yeah. You know, taking hangers and kicking goals at crucial stages of grand finals will prove that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, can he do it in golf? I, I wouldn't put it past him, to be honest. I'll tell you what, if, you, if you're if you in the area or you fancy a drive. I want to go. Oh, so do I. I need to be awesome. I won't be yeah. here, but that would be, uh, that's worth a trip. Check it out. Your Lawn Golf yep. Club from the 7th to the 10th. So this weekend, great addition to the Australian PGA calendar, the Gippsland Super 6. Here, here. Oh, while we're talking about cross-coders then, can I just give a little shout-out to Elisa Healy? Yep. Opens the batting for the Australian women's team. Won a club championship at Long Reef. Really? Be- now I've never been to Long Reef, but I've seen it looks a beautiful golf course. Oh yeah, so. she's she played a lot of golf, a bit of golf as a kid. I played cricket with her in high school. Did you? Yeah, that's my one one of very few claims to fame. Did she just? She was the first female ever to play in the ones at like CAS level for our school. And she would have knocked you all over the place. Yeah, she, she yeah. kept with Cabo Batsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone. So um, she played a bit of golf as a kid, gave it away, fo- focused on the cricket has jumped back into golf with absolute gusto, plays off about six at this stage, but that'll that'll get lower, I think, by yeah. the sounds of it. Good friends with Kari Webb. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And a great human being. Like, yeah. Well, I don't really? know her very well. I know her a little bit, but she's just a cracker. And uh, Commentated look, you off the park. I she, was in, she was had me well and truly covered. <laughs> she has some insights into the game, Hazy, that I can't quite match. Um, <laughs> 
But um, but she's a better golfer than me too. Um, but I reckon um, the joy that she had, the joy that was all etched all over her face when she was telling the story to an interested golf fan. Mm about winning it and the interest that I had in her, you know, what she did and to win it and the golf course she won it at. And uh, she was happier, as happy talking about that as she would be talking about the Ashes retention or the Ashes mm. winning or another century in the WBBL. She's that committed to her golf. And um, there's well, a big gang of them, the Southern Stars. Meg Lanning's another one. And um, they all, when they go, Alisa Alisa Lani, the year, yeah, all there's take, a lot of them. All yeah. took the clubs this year and they play on their off days and. I love it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I think Elise Villani and Meg have a big one-on-one do. down at Albert Park every now and then. They do. They do. Do you think we should go out and film the Healy Stark contest? Uh, there's been a bit of. Yeah. There has we should been go some, out and film that. We've done some with the girls been, at the range before. Yeah. yeah. Some yeah. of it's been captured, but yeah. um, yeah, we should do a proper, a proper job of it. I reckon. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's it for me. I'm done. Anyone else got anything to finish with before we hand it? Shout out Gabriella Hitoshi. You probably haven't heard of her, Hazy. This was in a US kids tournament. I just saw this oh, this morning. I heard this story. The Go South on. American she, Championship. Did she listen? Gabriella is a massive fan, not only of the show, but of yours. Oh. Loves um, your work. Wow. Front nine, I don't know. Some This is in some South American Championship, US kids tournament. Started with a bogey, par, birdie on the third, then a par. So she's one under through four. She's had a hole in one on the fifth, and then given one back with bogey on the sixth. Then she's had an albatross on the par five seven, <laughs> and then an eagle on the eight. No way. And then that's, part of the ninth to go out in thirty. That's an, that's the cycle. Eagle, bogey, albatross, eagle. Hole in one, bogey, albatross, eagle. Yeah. Single, double, triple, home run, all in the one game. <laughs> she had a lot. God. That's amazing. That's so, brilliant stuff, Gabriella. Yeah. Shout out. Can you keep an yeah. eye on her? I will. Thank you. Yeah, I will. That's your task. Yep. Anytime there's news, you need to let us know. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> that is it inside the ropes episode 127. Done. Thanks to Brian McPherson. Thanks to Brad Kennedy. Thanks to Justin Felgener. Thanks to you, Hazy. Uh, thanks to Val for putting it all together again. We'll be back next week to do it again.